Thanks for joining us and supporting Vikido Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness premium member. Go to www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join and register for a $6 monthly subscription. And remember, keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about research articles and hot topics. Our topic today is, what's new? Hot Topics number 61. Let's show our heart self-love by doing small acts of care, such as taking walks, getting quality sleep, and cooking healthy meals. White Americans are being vaccinated at higher rates than Black Americans. Such inequity cannot stand. Why do Black children get fewer scans when they're seen in the ER? All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks-Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks-Bright. How are you? Vicki doe don't you know? I haven't said that for a long time. I've been waiting to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting a long time to say that. Okay. So, <laughs> well, I, what I do know is that it's getting cold. <laughs> you know, I walked out this morning and I, my head jumped back. I'm like, what? <laughs> and I looked at the temperature in the car. It was, I mean, it wasn't Minnesota cold, but it was Get down to that bone chill cold. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know. And we it's supposed oh, to. It's a hot mess. I know. And it's supposed to get colder this weekend, I think. I looked at that. I saw that. I know. I might be just hunkered up. Because I'm on call this weekend. But afterwards, I might just be hunkered down. Hunkered down. That's the word. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely hunkered down. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Hunkered, hunkered down. I like that hunkered word. Hunkered down. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> but that's it. Okay, well, today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 61. Now, we are still dealing with the pandemic, and I want to encourage everyone to hunker down, (laughs) to uh, Mm -hmm. continue following the guidelines of safety by masking up, washing our hands, and social distancing. And if you can go and get the COVID-19 vaccine, it will certainly help in our fight against the coronavirus. However... 
Let's not forget to focus on our health. And this is the time to make sure that we are following the healthy eating guidelines, which are eating, eating plenty of fruits and vegetables, exercising, but also trying to reduce our stress levels as much as we can. And I always say, even if you do brief pauses throughout the day, quiet time throughout the day where you can relax and regroup, that is extremely helping in reducing stress as well. Now, all of these healthy practices boost our immune system and promote healthy living. And so let's start doing these things today. We can't give up. We got to keep doing these things. So what do you say, D? Oh, most definitely. Now more than ever. And you know, with the cold weather, I don't know how I feel about that. I know when I lived in Minnesota, the thing was, you know, it was really cold. So it would kind of keep the bacteria viruses away. But I don't know now. These things are like hardy. I know. Whatever. I know. They'll come follow you. They'll follow you. <laughs> I know, right? Wherever you go and they'll follow you. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Folks, make sure you go and check out our Vicido Fitness Health and Wellness website, vikidofitness.com. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter email list to receive the updates about our new health wellness webinar trainings, our Get Back to Healthy Living uh, masterclasses, and our online programs. Right now, we are showcasing our Step-by-Step Weight Loss Bootcamp Masterclass. It's our online health and wellness program, a 12-week comprehensive weight loss program. And this is our signature program for you to participate in and to get that healthy transformation that you have always wanted. Let's start, folks. This is still the first of the year. Let's start living healthy, folks. There is no excuse. We can start today, and it's never, it's never too late. And we are health fitness experts here at Vicido Fitness, and we are here to help you achieve your healthy living goals. And I encourage you to take that step. Go directly to vikidofitness.com forward slash training to learn more about our Vikido Fitness online health wellness training programs today. And so I can't wait to meet you there. And as always, Dee, what do we always say? Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Uh, yes, Dee, like you said, we got to Honker. <laughs> Honker. <laughs> I like that word. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> we got... I don't think that word was de- I don't think that word was developed by us. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got a hunker down. This kinda doesn't fit our you know our vocabulary. <laughs> our vocabulary. But yes, not something I grew up with. No, not something. That's it. You didn't hear that in <laughs> in the Haywood and Gilstraps household. You didn't do no. No, you definitely didn't hear that in the Newell household either. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But yes, you know, uh, hey, it's it's definitely cold and snow up here in Northeast Ohio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Has your snowplow guy been coming pretty regularly? Um. 
pretty much pretty much he he comes he comes when it's a lot when it's not a lot he uh-huh. he, he he doesn't come as much but he came the other day because it was getting a lot what about you oh yeah yeah mine is pretty regular you know I, uh-huh. i'm um yeah he's pretty regular with um, it yeah yeah mm-hmm. and he so, get and he's early too yeah yeah definitely do we have the same guy yeah yeah so yeah we have the same guy okay. well you know i i mean that's really it's important because you look out there and you can't get out especially we have long driveways and you have that hill yeah, to get up that hill, you might as well oh, forget it. I know. I remember years and years ago, the kids were young, and it was, what, what guy was it? Was it the mailman, or was it the Spectrum, maybe AT&T, I don't know, one of those uh-huh. guys that have those uh-huh. trucks. He got stuck in, because it was really coming down, coming down, coming down. He got stuck in our driveway, uh-huh. and he could not get up that hill, you know. So I went out there and I said, it all. yeah, I went out there and said, well, do you need help? Do you want me to call somebody to tell you this? And that? Oh, no, no, no. So I went back in the house. I said, well, girls, just keep looking out because he's going to be there for a while. He was there for hours. He eventually came. I'm to, sure he was. He, and he was Have trying to dig. anybody to help him? Well, he was he was sitting up there trying to dig the stuff out with his wheels and stuff. I was like, oh. so eventually. When I came back out there and asked again, after about hours, he finally said... I bet his tune changed. <laughs> it changed. Yeah. I was, bet he reconsidered, as they say. Yeah, he was really frustrated. Poor guy. But yeah. Sure he was. Mm-hmm. So it, all that to say, it's important to have your snow plowed. It really is. Up here. It really is. It really is. Absolutely. Or you will not be going anywhere. <laughs> oh, you won't. No, you will not. Mm-mm. Yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm getting used to that cuddling and getting my tea, my hot tea on and all that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So how was I've been you- experimenting with a few, uh, like some pumpkin spice tea and stuff like that, you know. Pumpkin warm. spice. Oh, that sounds kind of cut back a little bit on coffee. Yeah, but this is yeah, and then I'll put a little extra cinnamon in it or something like that. You know. Yeah, that sounds good because because mm-hmm. cinna- mm-hmm. mm-hmm. cinnamon is good anyway. It's a nice spice. Anyway, I mean, it has a lot of medicinal yes uh, purposes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. What else did you do this week? How was your week? Well, um, it was pretty. You know, I was off last weekend, just kind of chill. But Monday was pretty exciting. I was, I don't know if you know Bonnie Birdman. She's yes, I know. Uh, uh-huh. involved with the Jewish Federation. Yes. And she hooked me up and two other people from St. E's with the Israeli consulate. So we had a Zoom call okay. with us and the Israeli consulate in New York and the Minister of Health in Israel to talk about their COVID vaccine vaccination efforts, which is one of the best in the country. Okay. Wow. Um, and it was really good. You know, they gave us a rundown of, you know, what they did. I mean, the difference between them and us is that, you know, a lot of it, it comes from the top. You know, there's not a lot of, okay, well, we're going to let the different counties or whatever they call them in Israel do their own thing. No, the directive comes from the top down. Okay. As opposed to the way we are here, you know, the government has given some directives, but it's up to the individual state. To okay. decide what they want to do, and that just is nothing but a hot mess. Yes, it is. Well, that sounds good then. Oh, yeah, that's what I did. Yeah, so, um, yeah, and then 
you know, did a couple of interviews and stuff like that. But yeah, this, you know, the good news is that the number of COVID patients has gone down in the hospital. I think we are down to maybe 30. Okay. Um, and we have about 100 in all three hospitals down from 293. So as they say, I hate to use this phrase, we're rounding the curve. We're rounding the curve. That's another one. Remember when that was <laughs> by someone who will go unnamed <laughs> when he said we're rounding the curve and we are still rounding the curve. We're still rounding the curve. And that, you know, yeah, you're right. That, that's, that's terrible. Remember, remember when that comment was made? Yeah. I venture to say here we are 400,000 deaths later. I know. But we got at least we have the vaccine so no now it's just trying to get them delivered in people's arms like yeah. you said yep get them in, get get the vaccines into the arms of the people exactly that's it so what is going on this week d Vicky, everything 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 well this is heart healthy month and we're gonna wear our red time to wear your red yes we are yes we are and according to NIH and National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, heart disease is still the number one killer of Americans. And so the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, they, well, the Institute has created a, I love it because it's a self-care brochure. It's called Love Your Heart Self-Care Tips. And so hmm. you can download this. This is a PDF and you can download uh-huh. this from the site, but I'll at least uh-huh. say a few things that's on this self-care tip brochure. And it says heart disease is a leading cause of death in the United States, but there's a lot you can do to prevent it. Taking time to care for your heart can be challenging as you go about daily life, but it's easier than you think to show your heart the love it deserves each day. Small acts of self-care like taking walks, getting quality sleep, and cooking healthy meals help your heart. Research shows that self-care can help you keep your blood pressure in a healthy range and reduce your risk of heart disease and stroke. It has, and it's a, it's a really nice um, brochure uh, with all the colors and stuff, but it, one part that I will share with you guys out there, and you can definitely go and download this PDF self-care tips for heart health from their website, and it's and their website is hearttruths.gov, or you can always go to the nih.gov and look for heart health. A part of it says, it says here on this brochure, it says, what parts of your self-care routine help your heart? Well, self-care for your heart is really self-care for your whole self. And that's what they say. You can can improve and protect your heart overall when you, and they have a few tips that we definitely love here at Vicky Doe Fitness and on this podcast show. Well, number one, get a daily dose of physical activity such as a brisk 30-minute walk. Number two, cook meals that are low in sodium and unhealthy fat. So make sure your meals are low in sodium and definitely low in the unhealthy fats. Number three, 
Take your medications as prescribed and keep your medical appointments. Number four, sleep seven to eight hours a night. Mm, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that one. I know. And number five, manage stress through, for example, meditation, yoga, a warm bath, or quiet time with a good book or funny movie. Number six, try to reach or stay in a healthy weight by moving more and having snacks like fruits and veggies ready to grab when hunger hits. And so, yeah, you can go to the website. It's hearttruths.gov. You can also go to the website to find out more about Healthy Heart Tips and about all the initiatives that are going on this month and go to the NIH.gov. It's NIHHeartHealth.gov. All right, and that's more information. What do you say, Dee, about Heart Health Month? People forget this is one of the diseases that hits particularly African Americans hard. It hits women hard. And because of this COVID thing, people are not taking care of their other selves. You know, we see all the time people coming in the hospital with heart attacks and stuff like that when they definitely had symptoms prior to that, but people don't want to come in the hospital and, quote, unquote, get COVID. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad we're focusing on that this month. Yeah, so, so we encourage everyone, yes, take care of yourself. Go get the, download the self-care tips for heart health brochure. And, yeah, if you have symptoms, you know, don't hesitate. Call because you know I'm reading. Uh, there's some. There were some celebrities. I cannot remember who they were. More than one, who died of heart attacks. I mean, like sudden death. I know. People get warning signs that they tend not to pay any attention to. So it's better safe than sorry. It is exactly. Yes. Yes. So we heard about some people say Cicely Tyson. You say C- I know Cecily, but. Cicely. Yeah, she died at I think 96. she pronounced it Sicily, didn't she? I think she pronounced it Sicily, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Some people say Cecily, though, too. But, yeah, she pronounced right. it Sicily. But, yeah, she died. Right. She died um, mm-hmm, just recently. I think it was um, the 31st or at least February the mm-hmm. 1st she died. Mm-hmm. He was uh, very, you know, just a long career. I forgot how long her career was back to the 60s when she was in that play called The Black with, and that was during my era when she was with James Earl Jones and I'm trying to think of who else she was with during that time but yeah, she's been around for a long time. A long time and then she became even more popular in the 70s. She did. Yeah, starring in um, Married Miles Davis. She married Miles Davis and they lived for, I mean, they, they were together for several years, but, you know, Miles was, he was a he was a musical genius, but he probably wasn't the easiest person to live with. I know. And she, she always talks about how she helped him with a lot of his addiction problems. Yes. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. she has a, a long history, like you said, and I just loved her. Like you, you were talking about that. We were talking about it earlier, how that even as she aged gracefully, because we, we had a show recently, a past show, talking about how the seniors still got it. And so, yeah. Yeah. 
Re- yeah. You know, she. Yeah. you said she was beyond, what, Broadway doing her thing. She was on a Sip the Bountiful. She was on the broad in the Broadway show, a Sip the Bountiful. I forget how long it went. I mean, it was over a year. And that schedule is tremendous. You know, all those shows that you have to appear in. And, you know, she got rave reviews. I'm not sure what she got. You know, I don't know. She might have gotten a Tony, I mean, a nomination for a Tony. But, yeah, she was with a, you know, she was with a, a great cast. Definitely, definitely. I, in fact, I think I saw, in fact, I think I want to say they brought it to television. Okay. And they brought it to television, and she, yeah, here's the cast. It was Cicely Tyson. Okay. So that was seven years ago. So it was nine, 2004. Okay. So she was, okay, my bad. She was 89. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it was Cicely Tyson, Vanessa Williams, Blair Underwood, Kiki Palmer, and uh, yeah. Oh, wow. You can imagine what kind of schedule. Yeah. Yeah. So. So that was 2004, and I can't remember how long it lasted, but uh, yeah. Then she got by the f- former President Barack Obama. She was awarded the uh, Medal of Freedom. Remember? Yeah, see, that's right. In was. 2016. Absolutely was. Yes, yes, and yes. And you know, there was also, mm-hmm. and people who don't watch, you know that show, another Chandra Rhine show. Yeah. Played. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, yes. Viola Davis's mom. Yeah, How to Get Away with Murder. I don't know. Yes, How to Get Away with Murder. And I don't know if you saw that scene. I, I mean, saw it. Oh, my scene. God. You remember when she was combing her hair? Yes. Oh, my God. And talking about, oh, my God, was that a scene? Oh, yes. I don't want, we can't tell the audience. All we can say is yes. go back. <laughs> and it's, it is, I looked it up the other day. It is on YouTube. You just type in Viola Davis and Cecily Tyson. Uh-huh. If I say it, let's just say Cecily Tyson and Viola Davis scene from How to Commit a Murder. Wasn't that a poignant, I mean, I didn't expect, she's talking and she's, because Viola's mad at her about this, that, and the other, and she's sitting, and what I liked about that show is that Viola Davis was just so real. I mean, she wore a lot of makeup, had that afro, and, you know, you see Cecily Tyson, you know how they used to do in the old days, they sit and, and grease your Breeze your scalp. That was cool. Her hair apart and oh, yeah. Scalp. I mean, she was doing the, the real serious African-American cultural kind of thing. Yeah. She's sitting there telling this story to Viola Davis. And, I mean, we can't tell what the ending was, but it was like, huh? It was powerful. It was and powerful. And that was only, I mean, that was only about, I want to say, two or three years ago. She was in her 90s and she did that. Big I time. Can't, I can't remember when her last starring role was in, in uh, How to Commit a Murder, but I think recently. I think she was up uh, in recent in recent times, within the last year, right? Right, yeah. So she... Yeah, so... And she's, yeah. she's she was 96, so she lived yeah. a good life, yeah. a good life, a good yeah. long life. She did. Mm-hmm. You know, she did. And she said she only took roles that had substance. She was just not going to take any old role. Uh, you know, you don't... There are no films that I know of with Cecily Tyson running around nude. No. <laughs> her integrity or her, her, I mean, she always kept everything at a, a certain level of excellence is what I'm trying to say. Exactly. A life well lived, as they say. Exactly. 
So yeah, you were you were doing some hot breaking news about because I saw it about uh, Walgreens. I I I saw yeah about the CEO. I saw that. Uh, yeah, this is as they say a late breaker. Yesterday, Walgreens announced. I'm just trying to bring this up. Walgreens announced that they had hired a uh, CEO. They got her from Starbucks. Her name is Rosalind Brewer, I believe is her name. Uh-huh. And she was given a $25 million bonus, mm. signing bonus. Let that sink in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and her, on to her annual salary, I think they said of $1.5 million uh, a year. But, you know, those kind of, uh, when you get those kind of jobs, and she's a, she'll be the first African-American woman Okay. I don't know if it's the first. Right now, she's the only African-American woman that's running a Fortune 500. She will be the only black female CEO of a Fortune 500 country. Because I think she's not the first. I think there was a woman who was running Xerox. Right. I think it's a Fortune 500. And she was a CEO at that time. I don't think she is now. But, yeah. So, um, yeah, she'll be leaving Starbucks February 26th and moving over to Walgreens. And, you know, I guess this is at a... It's a critical time for Walgreens because they're taking the lead in administering the vaccination. Right. I was just interviewed today by CNBC, and everybody's all hyped up on the fact that, you know, the pharmacies like Walgreens and CVS and Rite Aid are taking the lead in vaccinations. But my comment was, uh-huh. that's all well and good for folks that can get the pharmacies. Right. know that there are a lot of black communities and communities of underrepresented minorities, Native Americans, uh, who live in pharmacy deserts like food deserts. Ah. And they don't have a CVS on the corner or a Walgreens on the corner. or And the elderly people who have to get out to these places, you know, there's a couple bus rides. Now, I don't know if you heard our, our mayor... Uh-huh. So Brown, okay. they said on the news the other day, Tito was rerouting some buses so that they would go past clinics so people would have a little bit better access to care. So kudos to Walgreens for hiring this woman and for the pharmacies to take the lead. But it, we still have a lot to do. You, you can't expect everybody to, you can't expect the pharmacies to take the lead of everybody. We're going to have to take some of this stuff into the community, into where the people are that you want to be vaccinated. Definitely, definitely so. But yeah, that's a start. And kudos to Tito, Tito Brown, Mayor Tito yes. Brown. Yes. When I told the woman from CNBC today, she thought that was great. I said, well, you call him and ask him what the strategy is because that's brilliant, you know, to, to reroute those bus schedules and trails and whatever. Definitely, um, and, definitely. And especially during this time, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to open up Valley Center or whatever, but maybe have some buses that, you know, going in that direction. So that, because it's cold. It's cold. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, people are not going to want to, you know, so this is a public health crisis. So if you want people to be vaccinated, you got to make it happen. You got to make it happen. So, yeah, that's so good. All right. Mm-hmm. So, what's the latest, D? You gave a, a couple yeah. of articles that yeah. you would wanted to do. Some really good stuff. The first article is. White Americans are being vaccinated at higher rates than black Americans. And this article, interestingly enough, was written by sisters, Ute Blackstock and Oni Blackstock. And last week I did a grand round at Monty Fear Albert Einstein Hospital in New York. 
And my topic was structural racism and healthcare. Let's start a conversation. Okay. And Dr. Black, Dr. Uche Blackstock was an emergency room doctor at New York University, and she had just written an article on why blacks leave academia. And it was a great article, and I used this article in my presentation last week about how, you know, black faculty aren't supported, and right. uh, I want to send it to you. Yes, you know, please. They're not supported. They don't have mentors. Yes. You know, they, don't, they, they, are, they, they find themselves in a hostile environment, blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, she wrote that article. And so this article in the Washington Post is written by her okay. and her sister, Oni Blackstock. And she is Dr. Blackstock Uche is an emergency room doctor, and found she's not doing that anymore. She's founder and chief executive of Advancing Health Equity. Her sister Oni is a primary care and HIV physician and founder and executive director of Health Justice, which we just got an email from them the other day that they were starting this. So anyway, black African, black Americans have suffered one of the highest death rates from COVID-19, with one out of 735 black Americans dying from the disease, according to the most recent data. For white Americans, that figure is 1 out of 1,030. Yet white Americans are being vaccinated at rates three times higher than black Americans as early data from the 23 states that are reporting racial and ethnic data on vaccination show. Now, that's part of the problem. As Marcella Nunez-Smith, who's on the task, who's head of the Diversity Mm -hmm. Equity Task Force, Mm -hmm. said they're not keeping records, so we don't know who's getting vaccinated. Okay especially with race and ethnicity. Uh-huh. So she's, Dr. Blackstock says, in fact, across the country, there are reports of majority black areas struggling to deal with non-resident white people traveling to their communities to be vaccinated. There was an article yesterday in the New York Times talking about wealthy white individuals going into black neighborhoods to get vaccinated. Okay. You know, they, they're wow. not going to turn anybody away. Mm-hmm. So he says such inequity cannot stand. The Biden-Harris administration must urgently act to ensure that black Americans are not left out. And here are four things administrations can do to stop this from happening. First, black people must be explicitly prioritized. Despite the disproportionate impact of the pandemic on black Americans, the CDC has not explicitly used race and ethnicity as a criterion to delineate vaccine priority, the strategy from the CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization, practices of using essential workers and people with underlying medical conditions to include black Americans is insufficient, she says. Mm. In fact, overwhelming data shows that black Americans have fared worse than others, even within priority groups such as healthcare workers and nursing home residents. And second, we need to bring the vaccine to the people as we were talking about, bring it in, uh, locating vaccination sites in black communities is a must. It's insufficient, and this is insufficient because there's not a lot of Internet access. We've talked about that on this show, uh-huh. or di- digital literacy mm. um, amongst African Americans or mis- you know, underrepresented minorities. Black communities need easily accessible and trusted points of access to the vaccine, such as community centers, faith-based organizations, schools, and mobile vaccination units run by trustworthy people. Mm-hmm. Additionally, vaccine appointments should and must be prioritized for people living in that community. And then she goes on to say that Health and Human Services Department and the CDC must mandate that states collect complete racial and ethnic demographic data, which we were just talking about, Vicki. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's Marcella Nunez-Smith, like I said, she's head of the Biden administration's COVID-19 Healthy Health Equity Task Force, 
and former co-chair of the presidential transition team, COVID-19 advisory board, she said, we cannot address what we cannot see. We are making a choice every time we allow poor quality data to hinder our ability to intervene on racial and ethnic minorities. If, if we've learned anything from this pandemic, it's that systemic racism has detrimentally influenced the material conditions, opportunities, and experiences of black Americans, leading to a devastating human toll. A colorblind approach to vaccine distribution will no doubt prove catastrophic if we do not act urgently. The pandemic existing racial health inequities will only worsen, and we cannot afford to waste any more time. So that was the sister's black stop. Okay. Wow. So. Yep. Yep. But and a, a little side story. One of my friends, Dr. Dial Hewlett, he's of my era. He is a physician in New York. He worked with their mother, who was also a physician, and she died very young from acute myelomonocytic leukemia. So, wow. Um, wow. Yeah, that's kind of a sad story in their history. Oh, wow. Well, she definitely yeah. she definitely will be proud of them, huh? The two daughters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Before she passed. And they're, they're doing great things. I mean, Uche is writing articles all over the place. So, kudos to them. Yes, yes. But, yeah, we still have disparities. They, they come up all the time, right? Well, they do. And it's just kind of like, it's 2021. We were having these disparities in two, in the year 2000. I know. So I mean, it's, this just these disparities in this situation didn't just pop up. Like I was saying to the lady that was interviewing me today, right now she says, "Well, what do we need to do? What does CVS need to do to reach?" I said, first of all, right now, not that it's too late, but it is. Like I said, I said I hate to say this, but it is what it is. And we just have to deal with what we have right now and then work on issues of systemic racism and structural racism because that's something that's going to take years oh, yeah. to change. Right now we need to get some shots and some arms. That's it. That's it. What do we need to know then about the coronavirus, all these variants they're talking about, mutations? I know. It's kind of scary, Vicki, what you need to know about the variants. And I'll just mention there are several variants and these are like mutations these are like you know viruses and bacteria always going to figure out a way to survive like i always say that you know this thing about bacterial resistance bacteria always going to figure out a way to squirm and squiggle and change their genetic makeup and whatnot i'm just saying this simplistically so that they become resistant to any medications that you hit at them so they can survive right so it's survival of the fittest and with with viruses Viruses cannot live outside the body, so they have to hop from one person to the next person. And one of the things we know they do is mutate so that they can survive. Mm. You know, they're pretty smart. So mm. we now have these variants. We knew that they were going to be mutations. And so we have variants that have popped all over, popped up all over. We have a South African variant, and it is has been identified in more than two dozen countries, including Canada, Australia, and Israel. And on January the 28th, South Carolina uh, identified two individuals who had it with no travel history. So then we have the Brazilian variety. So now the question becomes, and I'll go down what the article says about will the vaccine work. So let's just talk about the South African. 
the vaccines may have a diminished impact against this variant, but they probably will still be effective, said Dr. Anthony Fauci, and we all know who he is. Moderna has said its vaccine protects against the variant, first identified in South Africa with a caveat, though. The vaccine elicited antibodies, the vaccine elicited antibodies were less effective, effective at neutralizing this mutation in a laboratory disc. So the jury's still out on that. Then we have the Brazilian variant, and where is that? Mainly Rio de Janeiro. And it's been also found in Peru, Germany, South Korea, and Japan. And in January 25th, Minnesota found that it was in Minnesota. Mm. Uh, will vaccines work against this? There's no strong evidence right now suggesting that vaccines won't work against the variant first identified in Brazil. Moderna announced that it would develop a new vaccine tailored to a similar virus in case an updated shot becomes necessary. The UK variant, that came first. Yeah. And this variant was found first in the United Kingdom, specifically London, and then Kent. And it's been in Britain, Denmark, and Ireland since December. It is in the United States. The CDC released a model forecast in early January that indicated the variant could become the dominant strain in the United States by some point in March. Now, the problem with all these variants, though, and trying to track them is that, Vicki, we're 43rd in the world in sequencing. Uh. I mean, little countries like South Korea and Taiwan and New Zealand and Senegal, uh-huh. countries in Africa, they're all ahead of us in sequencing. So if we don't step up our game in sequencing, we're not going to know what variants are here or who has them or any of that Wow. I don't know. You know, we used to be really good at this, so we can't, we don't track racial and ethnic data, and we don't do gene sequencing. What the hell do we do? Pardon my friend. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what, what do we do? I know. I mean, we, we have fallen behind in those things that, I mean, you know, in those, those things that we were top of the heap. 43rd in sequencing, we've got countries like Senegal that are ahead of us. These developing countries, not even developed countries, developing countries are ahead of us. Anyway, I digress. Mm. Okay, so mm. the Denmark variant. So we didn't, haven't heard much about that. That one, obviously, was detected in Denmark. It's been spreading in Northern California, and it's mostly linked to nursing homes, jails, and a hospital in San Jose. Well, vaccines work. Some scientists think this variant might be more resistant to vaccines because the mutation is the spike protein, which enables the virus to attach the cells. Um, but they need more information. And then one more, mm-hmm. the original variant, which is D614G, this was known simply as the G mutation. It was discovered in China in January of 2020. It soon spread to New York City and Europe. And will the vaccines work? The G variant was the dominant strain when the vaccine trials took place. So, yes. So, against that variant, the Moderna and Pfizer vaccine showed a 95% efficacy. So, yeah. So, there are mutations all over. Um, How can we protect ourselves? The only thing that we can do is to continue to wear our mask, social distance. We do need everybody to get vaccinated because whether... The vaccines are 100% efficacious against the variant. We need to create an artificial herd immunity so that at least the coronavirus that we have 
won't find any place to land, and it can't mutate. It it can't mutate outside the body. Okay. It has to mutate, you know, within a, a cell. So that's the reason for taking the vaccine, so that just plain old regular coronavirus won't have any place to hop to. There you have that, Vicky. Oh, wow. That's a lot to, yeah. to think about. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So we definitely got to double up on our efforts then, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, thank you, Dee. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vicki Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at to find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Well, today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new, hot topics number 61. And so, yeah, Dee started us out with some of the things that we were needing to know, and so we're going to continue on. And this this um, article, which I thought was very interesting, D, is, it says, Poll finds Americans highly stressed by politics, pandemic. And this was written on the Health Day News website. And it says, stress levels are on the rise as Americans grapple with the COVID-19 pandemic and bitter mm-hmm. po- uh, political divisions, a new American Psychology Association survey showed. On a 10-point scale, where one means little to no stress and 10 means a great amount, adults' average stress level ch- um, clocked in at 5.6, according to the Stress in America January 2021 stress snapshot. That's higher than levels reported in APA surveys since April. 84% of respondents in the latest survey reported feeling at least one emotion associated with prolonged stress in the prior two weeks. The most common were anxiety, 47%, sadness, 44%, and anger, 39%. And two-thirds said they feel overwhelmed by the number of issues facing the nation. Significant sources of reported stress 
included the future of the United States, that's 81%, the coronavirus pandemic, 80%, and political Mm -hmm. unrest, political unrest, 74%. Two-thirds said the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol was a significant source of stress. Among other key findings, 84... That'll do it. (laughs) That will do it. That will definitely do it. You are so right. That will do it, yeah. Yes. So among other key findings, 84% of uh, respondents say the nation has serious societal problems or issues that need to be addressed, and 9 in 10 hope that there will be a move toward unity. And this was said by... Chief Executive Officer, the APA's Chief Executive Officer, Arthur Evans Jr., he said, nearly a year into the pandemic, prolonged stress persists at elevated levels for many Americans as we work to address stressors as a nation from unemployment to education. We can't ignore the mental health consequences of this global shared experience. Without addressing stress as part of a national recovery plan, we will be dealing with the mental health fallout from this pandemic for years to come. And this is what he warned in an association news release. And so the article goes on to say that the APA offered tips on stress management. And so here are a few of them. Number one, take breaks from the news, social media, or even certain friends. I like that part. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And it says constant exposure to negative information, images, and rhetoric keeps stress at unhealthy levels. Number two, practice the rule of three good things and ask friends and family to do the same. At the end of each day, reflect on three good things, large or small, that happen. This helps decrease anxiety, counter depression, and build emotional resiliency. Number three, practice self-care in 15 or 30-minute sessions throughout the day. For example, take a short walk, call a friend, or watch a funny TV show. Parents should encourage or help their kids do the same. Number four, keep in touch with friends and family. This helps build emotional resiliency so that you can support one another. And number five, last but not least, keep things in perspective. Try to reframe your thinking to reduce negative interpretations of day-to-day experiences and events. I like this article, D. Because, because even though, yeah, we are stressed out, we can do some things, practice self-care, right, throughout the day. Yeah. You know? Definitely. And sometimes... I, I, I'm going to... It's going to be interesting to see the statistics of what, of you know, what has happened to people's mental and physical health once this all dies down. I'm sure there are going to be lots of papers to come. Oh, big time. And, and Don't you think... Oh, yes. And we have good news. Dr. Stephen King will be coming on our show in March. Yes. I can't wait. Our friend, Dr. King. Yes. To talk about our mental health. Definitely. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of papers 
also I'm interested in because we don't hear too much about it but opioid what's this doing what is it doing yes, with the right. pandemic exactly it's a lot of things you know the pandemic coming just upheaved everything you know so yeah it just did I mean it just who knew who knew just who knew I mean like you get out of your car now and you feel like you don't have your clothes on if you don't have a mask on oh I know. run back to the car how cold it is so shoot forgot my mask oh I know right right yeah who the thunk it I know I know who the thunk it so the next article is time to double or upgrade masks as coronavirus variants emerge, experts say. Because, you know, they talk about double. Yes, and- I've been talking about this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think I remember back in um, May when we were first started to talk about masks and maybe certainly June, the former Surgeon General Jerome Adams got on uh, YouTube and was showing people how to make cloth masks. Because at that point, it was like, well, you know, they knew that everybody, there was not a, a huge supply of surgical masks and stuff. So he was showing people how to make cloth masks. So here we are, here we are. So we, we, you know, we have all these masks and stuff that we're wearing. But this article goes on to show that maybe it might be time to double or upgrade masks with respect to these variants that I just talked about. Mm-hmm. So the article goes on to say, Wear your mask is becoming wear your mask, plural. And mm. I don't know if you've seen on TV that some of the coaches have been wearing double masks. Yes, I've some seen that. Biden, I think, is wearing too. And yeah, I've so, seen that. Mm-hmm. So the discovery of highly transmissible variants that I just talked about in the United States has public health experts urging Americans to upgrade simple cloth masks that have become a stable shield during the pandemic. The change can be as simple as slapping a second mask over the one you already have, or better yet, donning a fabric mask on top of a surgical mask. Some experts say it's time to buy KN95 or N95. So people are like, what's the difference between KN95 and N95? So KN95 basically just has the specifications that are used in China for filtering out different viruses and bacteria and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And N95 is the... United States qualification. So basically, you know, when people say, well, you know, China, I don't know if I, if I, <laughs> if I you know, feel that, it, that it's safe or believe them. But from all the research that's done, the KN95s that are coming have the same ability to block the coronavirus as the N95 does here. Okay. And then they say, well, why get away from cloth masks? Well, the problem is with KN95s and N95s, at least you have some quality control. I mean, you know, some of these cloth masks have been made out of granny's skirts or, you know what I mean? (laughs) Quality control, Vicky. I'm serious. Quality control. If you're making a mask from grandpa's pants or, you know. His boxer shorts. His boxer shorts, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I hope your audience understands we understand this is a serious topic but you do have to have a little bit of humor but there's absolutely no quality control on any of the cross masks and so now that we have these variants and we don't know at least I mean we do know the micron size of the coronavirus I don't know whether the variants are the same size or not but 
we at least have some quality control in knowing that at least 10 in 95s and in 95s block things out. So with other parts of the pandemic response, the United States, Yet again, what, I'm, this is another one. Uh-huh. What the hell have we been doing? The article says the United States lags behind other parts of the world when it comes to masks. I know. Several Asian countries, including Singapore and South Korea, have mass-produced high-quality masks to send directly to residents. In recent weeks, European countries have begun mandating medical-grade masks in uh-huh. public settings uh-huh. as the virus strain first identified in the U.K. threatens to ravage communities. British science estimated to be as much as 70% transmissible. That's huge. Wow. So the existence of more transmissible viruses emphasizes the importance of us upping our game and doing not more of the same but better of the same, said Tom Frieden, who was former director of the CDC. So Anthony Fauci touted double masking during when he was on a, the Today Show saying two layers just make more sense and likely would be more effective. Mm-hmm. So now the CDC encourages Americans to choose well-fitting masks with two or more layers of washable, breathable fabric and to avoid surgical masks. Right now, they want to preserve the KN95s and the N95s and as many surgical masks as they can get as for PPEs of people in the hospital. So that's why they're saying now, at least if you have a cloth, try to double up on it. Some health experts said the federal government should have prioritized certifying or manufacturing better masks earlier so Americans don't have to fend for themselves to avoid counterfeits or upgrade their own. The Trump administration in March coordinated with underwear makers to send five masks to every household official told um, the Washington Post, but the plans fell apart because of logistical concerns. Didn't we just say that of logistical yeah. concerns and other issues, including complaints that the masks look like underwear jobs? <laughs> Let that sink in. Didn't we just talk about that? <laughs> Didn't you just say boxers? <laughs> Vicky, you can't make this up. I did not. I did not make this up. <laughs> This is in the Washington Post, okay? Uh, okay, okay. I digress. Let's, let me move on. <laughs> so Abrog Saran, a physician at Brigham and Women's Hospital and Harvard Medical School, has since last spring called on government and industrial leaders to mass-produce comfortable, effective masks. He said the country could have avoided its current situation with Americans learning how to protect, better to protect themselves largely alone. Lindsay Mara, a Virginia Tech engineering professor who has researched mass effectiveness, said the public has better tools to reduce viral loads getting into the air and into bodies. Without a medical-grade face covering, Mars said, people can get the best symptoms protection by wearing a cloth mask tightly on top of a surgical mask. They can also make a three-layer mask by cutting a high-efficiency filter, uh-huh. such as a vacuum bag, to place between two tightly woven fabric mask. Mm-hmm. The difference is like getting two recommended doses of coronavirus vaccine instead of one. The additional mask offers more complete protection against the virus. And so it just goes on to say, you know, talking to when they interviewed somebody in Seattle, this woman, Katie Fuss, started wearing a soft mask over surgical mask this month. This, okay. this article was in January. It just came out. Okay. If you think about it, if you can still smell someone's perfume, it's probably not effective to something that's airborne. A thin layer of cotton is probably not as ideal as a surgical mask. 
Now, behavioral psychologists say public health authorities must be mindful of a backlash as they start to shift mass guidance. When people living through a crisis are confused, they often stick to their habits. And when you look at leaders and you see mixed messages, as we have been getting, right. like the ones you've seen in the past, you tend to latch on to the ones that make you comfortable, said David Abram, a professor of social and behavioral health at NYU and former NIH official. Okay. So lastly, um, another individual, Danny Ryan, a 27-year-old who worked for communications in D.C., said he was swayed to switch to two-cloth masks in part because he saw Biden and Vice President Harris doubling up in recent weeks. He also reconsidered the protection of a single mask after seeing his breath while waiting outside for a coronavirus test. That's a hint. Although experts say this is not a sign of a malfunctioning mask, it would, for me it would raise some concern. So it just stuck in my head. They're, they are wearing two masks, protecting them underneath, and maybe more above. And maybe more above, said Ryan, okay. who now keeps extra masks by his door. To be perfectly honest, I just feel safe doing it with updates in the news about the new variant. So what do I think personally? I think, unfortunately, in this country, uh-huh. we are of a drip, drip, not a need to know until the, the, the minute. So we're not giving, you know, we're not, we're giving drip, drip information. So like last week, you see the CDC say double up. Okay. I predict in another month they're going to say upgrade definitely the surgical mask, and then they're going to start mass producing more of them and mass producing. But they, they cannot do tell people to go run out and buy stuff because it'll be like toilet paper. Right. So they have to ease this in slowly okay. for people to and get these companies to ramp up their mask uh, wearing so that when the CDC does come out and say, you need to up your game from a cloth mask, don't wear those anymore, because I can foresee them saying that to just try to get as many surgical masks on the counter as possible. Yeah, because I've always, with me having my mask and going in and out of Kent, I've had those real thick, you, you can buy them. It's, they're thick cloth, huh? but they're thick cloth, but when you open it up, it has layers, and then that's when you put yeah. like a, that's when you put like that, like they were saying, that vacuum type uh, filter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in there between oh, the that. Perfectly fine, yeah. And I've, right. I've, yeah, I've worn that, but the, like I said, the other day, I said, well, let me put two of the vacuum, that type of filter in my mask then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I almost couldn't breathe. But hey, I said, well. I, I know. Better than COVID. They're better than COVID. As I was jumping up and oh. down, I was like, well, shoot, let me chill down. I don't want to be passing out. No, you don't want to be <laughs> passing out. I know. I know. But yeah, I, de- I decided, oh. I said, well, let me let me double up and put two two of these um, filter things in it, yeah. But it's it's, it's going to make sense, and you will see that it's coming down the pipe. Yeah, it's going to come down the pipe. You're right. You're right. Well, we're going to end with this article. It was talking about why do black children get fewer scans Mm, when they're seen in the ER? Yeah, this was written by Health Day News. It says, black and Hispanic children who land in the emergency room are less likely than white kids to receive x-rays, CAT scans, Mm. and other Mm. imaging tests, a new study finds. Mm. Isn't that something? Looking at more than 13 million ER visits to 
U.S. Children's Hospitals researchers found that white children underwent imaging tests one-third of the time. That was true for only 26% of visits made by Hispanic children and 24% of those by black children. The disparities were seen across all types of imaging, including standard x-rays, ultrasound, and CT and MRI scans. Those exams can be, be key in diagnosing an array of conditions from broken bones to appendicitis to head injuries. The reasons for the racial differences are unclear, said the lead researcher, Dr. Jennifer Marin of the University of Pittsburgh and Look, UPMC Children's Hospital. So this is just around the corner. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, so minority families were more likely to be insured under the government program Medicaid, but that did not explain the disparities in imaging tests. Now, Marin said, if you look only at patients with public insurance, the disparity is there. And if you look only at patients with private insurance, the disparity is still there. Another point that's unclear is whether too few imaging tests were ordered for black and Hispanic children or too many were done in white kids. Marin and other experts said both could be true. The findings are likely the result of both underutilization of imaging studies for black and Hispanic children and overutilization for white children, said Dr. Angela Ellison, an emergency medicine physician at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Unfortunately, the results are no surprise, said Ellison, who was not involved in the research. This is what she said. We know that children are not spared from the implicit and explicit biases of healthcare providers. Providers need to slow down and check our biases while caring for patients. This is what Ellison added. We must hold ourselves and our institutions accountable for the harm that is continually done to children. Now, the findings published online January the 29th in JAMA Network Open are based on records from more than 6.2 million children seen in emergency departments at 44 children's hospitals in the United States between 2016 and 2019. Overall rates of diagnostic imaging were lower for black and Hispanic children and factors such as insurance, household income, and chronic health conditions did not explain the disparity. After researchers accounted for those factors, emergency visits made by minority children were still 13 to 18% less likely to include any diagnostic imaging. In general, Marin noted, White Americans are more likely to have a medical home, which is a regular primary care provider than black and Hispanic Americans are. It's possible, she said, that more of the ER visits by white children were made on their doctor's recommendation, which could be one reason diagnostic imaging was ordered more often. 
Dr. Jean Raphael, an associate professor of pediatrics at Texas Children's Hospital and Baylard College of Medicine in Houston, agreed. On the flip side, he said, parents who do not have a pediatrician to advise or reassure them may immediately go to the emergency department. The medical home issue might sway what happens in the ER in more nuanced ways, too. When a doctor recommends the trip, Raphael said, parents might have more anxiety or expect imaging tests and therefore push for them. Beyond that, he said, white parents may feel empowered to advocate for what they want or question doctors, while people of color often may not. Both Marin and Raphael agreed that implicit biases could be at work too. Raphael said, in the ER, where there are a lot of things going on, we can start to take cognitive shortcuts. So, for example, the notion that minority parents sometimes bring their kids to the emergency department for less serious illnesses might creep into doctors' decision-making. Raphael said, a lot of hospitals now are doing implicit biases training. The goal is to help providers recognize when they are taking those cognitive shortcuts and stop themselves. According to Myron, hospitals can also make sure clinical guidelines are being followed and provide doctors with decision assistant tools, which take some of the subjectivity out of care. Scans are often not needed to diagnose kids, of course, but Raphael said parents should feel free to ask questions and understand why a test is not being ordered. Avoiding unnecessary right. scans and their attendant radiation exposures and costs is important too, Raphael and Myron said. And so, yeah, what do you think about that? You know, that's a form well, of disparities. So here we are, here we are. 2020, and we're still talking about 2021, and we're still talking about that, the testing thing. You know, it goes back to African Americans didn't get heart tests as much as other people did or didn't get this and that. So to hear this, I guess I'm just not surprised. I'm just saddened, and it just goes again to those issues revolving around disparities in health care and children. And I was sitting here thinking... Well, I sure would like to hear Dr. Lolly talk about this. We might have to get her in to talk about the implications of this in, pe- in the pediatric population, right? I think so. I think so, too. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? We never think it about is. that. It is. Mm-hmm. You know, there was always that stigma because, you know, a lot of, well, it's not just African-Americans. Poor people use the emergency room for their primary care doctors because they don't have one. I know. And, you know, they were trying to change that, but it's difficult. You know, then when the Affordable Health Care, the Affordable Care Act came out and all of that, they thought those kind of things were going to change. And then Trump came in, and then here we are back all over again. So it's just a lot. That's a good article, though. I would love to hear Dr. our friend Dr. Lolita McDavid, who's head of Child Advocacy Protection at Rainbow Babies and Children, talk about this. I know. That's something to think about. We haven't had her on the show for a while, so that'll be... No, we haven't, and I'm sure she has a lot to say. We need to have her back. Definitely. Most especially with there's a lot of complications and 
a lot of stuff happening because of COVID and children that they don't really talk exactly. about. Exactly. That um, multi, we haven't even talked about that, the multi-inflammatory system, MIS, inflammatory syndrome, that's multi-system inflammatory syndrome that's associated with COVID-19 in children. And there again, healthcare disparities more in African-American children than any other uh, racial and ethnic group. I know. I just have a question, Vicki. Yes. Why are we hit so hard? What do we do? Well, I think the reason why we're hit so hard is because we are kept out of the, because it all starts with money. We're kept out of the economic system. You're right. And a lot, like I talked about those social determinants of health and a lot of those things that go into, you know, you can go back to like redlining and and where people live, redlining and putting people into into environments and places where the school systems aren't that good. And this right. that. I mean, that's a whole topic for a whole nother show. But, right. yeah, I mean, a lot of these things lend themselves to just what the disparities that we're just talking about. Right. So without money, we're constantly kept out of that economic, you know, economic loop. That's why I always tell folks, and they, you know, sometimes my, my own folks be like, well, no, they should this and that and the other. And I'd be like, okay, keep talking. But it's when you really go down to it, and that comes to health, education, um, work, all that, it's about economics and the reason why we suffer so much because we don't have economics. Well, there it is. Yeah, yeah, it really, it really does. Right. You know. it's, but look, look, at, look at the kids that – a lot of kids are at home, and they are not eating. They don't have meals. Uh, you know what? I did not realize the until this whole thing, and, you know, I'm not naive, the uh-huh. hunger uh-huh. that this crisis, this pandemic has, has created. Have you seen the lines I know. of people lined up to get food because of, you know, parents losing jobs and mm-hmm. kids hungry and the other thing, you know, when you when we're talking about this opening up of schools, which is multifactorial, and everybody's like, well, no, we shouldn't open up schools. Well, first of all, this is a new thing, and I know we're prolonging the show. But That's okay. Information that just came out this week uh-huh. was that schools don't seem to be a super spreader. And speaking to the point of schools, people getting their kids back into school, because number one, we're going to have a whole year of bunch of children who've missed out on education because they didn't have internet, they didn't have Wi-Fi, they didn't have this, and, and their, the test scores are going to be, you know, oh, man. terrible. I know. And the other thing that I didn't read that, you know, these kids not going back to school, sometimes that's the only meal that they have. I know. So they'll give, they'll give them breakfast and they'll give them lunch. Well, without school, a lot of these kids are going hungry. I know. So that's another reason that people are talking about, you know, getting school up and running. Yeah, and then a lot of them we don't, you know, we don't realize, but a lot of the kids are having to stay home in dysfunctional and toxic families. Exactly. And right. and school was like a release. It was like, you know, releasing stress. It was somewhere to go, you know, for a few hours of the day before they had to come yeah, home. Outlet for them. Right. And deal with stress. So yeah, it's it's so, it's yeah, something uh, though. Our our kids you know, they have to deal with a lot of stuff. But, yeah, disparities will always happen when there's not equality and equity, period. And it all right. boils down to money and opportunities. Well, that's true. It takes money, honey. 
<laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And, you know, this whole vaccine thing, I mean, I think it's multifaceted that the reason, I mean, not it's not all just vaccine mistrust and vaccine hesitancy. African-Americans are not getting vaccinated because they're not getting access to the vaccine if they wanted to take it. You know what I mean? That's it. Like you said. It I'm, was- what I'm afraid of is the framework that's being built around. And, you know, one person said that about six weeks ago. We had a Zoom conference with this woman who's African-American ID specialist, Adi Adamora, at University of North Carolina. And she says what she's afraid of uh-huh. is that in the coming weeks, here we are now, that there was going to be this big thing about, well, African-Americans, are, you know, they're getting vaccinated yet less. Well, that's because they, they have vaccine hesitancy and mistrust. And so then people are going to say, well, there's no point in going down there and giving them the vaccine because they don't want it anyway. Right. As opposed to realizing that they are not going to get vaccinated because they don't have access to health care. That's it. And this is exactly what she was talking and you see it unfolding right now that there are a lot of people that want to be vaccinated that are, not everybody has mistrust and hesitancy right but it's access to getting it right so yeah so i think the best oh. thing is to try to it'll be nice if they could these faith-based churches could have some like a like a little yes. clinic and have it in and the I'm churches to do that with our own reverend map our own Reverend King and I have yes. a, I'm doing a Zoom presentation with Reverend Harrison and I was on a Zoom presentation with Reverend Simon. Yes. At least in Youngstown, I'm hoping that they get it. Yes. That's important. Oh yeah. The faith based churches. But I'm trying to your ear on that. You can tell I'm passionate about this. <laughs> no, I I love it because it's so unfair. Because it's it is unfair. Unfair. But that's for everything. Completely unfair. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not fair and here we are again on the bottom rung and it's just not fair it's so not fair i just feel like we need to speak up and those of us that can be trusted messengers be trusted messengers that's it well oh, yeah. so there's the show <laughs> <laughs> well yes this is uh, our show d and so you did have a lot of tips but can you <laughs> Can you give us some more tips that we can do and talk about? <laughs> no, I don't, think I, can, I don't think I can give you any more. Let that sink in. Let all that sink in. Let all that sink in. And I would Let like all of that sink in. And I would like to encourage folks, yeah, let's try to do self care and take care of ourselves because all of it, what we do. You know, how we take care of ourselves not only affects our health, but also our mental health and our families as well. You know, and the the hang on tight, double down on your mask, literally double down on your. (laughs) Exactly. Your mask. Exactly. And we shall see. Right, D. Right. We shall see. We shall see. Oh, yeah. And as always, for more information, go to our website vickidofitness.com and remember if you have any questions comments or just something to say tweet us email us go on facebook and share with us your thoughts make sure you become and it's all about health and fitness premium member go to vickidofitness.com forward slash join and register for a six dollar monthly subscription as a premium member you will have exclusive access to our archive of more than 100 past premium podcast shows. 
free subscription to our monthly newsletter, and much, much more. But most of all, you will receive exclusive subscriber premium member only episodes of our From the Desk of Vicky Doe. In these episodes, I will focus on special health fitness topics and answer your most common health fitness questions. So go right now. Go to vickidofitness.com forward slash join and become and it's all about health and fitness premium member. By subscribing to our premium membership, you are supporting Vikido Fitness, which allows us to continue to produce valuable content, including new podcasts. And as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.